This program is sponsored by Care Portal. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much again for tuning in to Counterculture. We're so glad you're spending a half hour with us here. Uh, we have a very exciting show for Counterculture. You know, Counterculture really is about being different. And it's about being different in the way Jesus wants us to be different. You know, in a divided world, you know, peacemaking is countercultural. In a selfish world, loving those most in need is countercultural. And in a cult, in a world that is tends to tear things down and uh, bring people down, uh, making others flourish, making our culture flourish, that's countercultural. So that's why this show exists, and we want to find the people who are. Uh, in our city here in Phoenix or, or even around the country or even around the world who are really being – stepping out and helping us be more countercultural in the way that Jesus wants us to be. And so we have a special guest calling in from Texas today. It's Bishop Aaron Blake. Hello. How are we doing today? Fantastic. I'm so glad you could call in. Uh, boy, what an honor to have you on on my show and uh, and for the listeners tuning in. You know, Bishop Blake really is, I don't know if the right, legend is the right word, but <laughs> this man, this is a wonderful man, and we're just really honored to, on our, our little show here, to have such a great guy um, uh, call in and be a part of the show. Uh, Bishop Blake is, is from Brownwood, Texas. He has been happily married for 48 years to his high school sweetheart, Mary Ophelia, Um and uh, he is the proud parent. Uh, he and his wife are proud parents of six biological children and six engrafted sons from the foster system. So that's if that's a dozen. I think that's like that's a lot of kids. Oh, so yeah. Bishop is also uh, as not a, a, big, <laughs> not a big dozen either. Oh, that's right. I can't wait. <laughs> Bishop uh, holds an honorary doctor of divinity from Grace Valley Theological Seminary. So we, can we call you Doctor Blake as well? Oh no! I tell you what, my, my wife wouldn't go for that at all. Oh, you would, she wouldn't. No, I don't think she would either. I tried to get my wife to call me Master Sanborn, but that I, that lasted about ten seconds. <laughs> Once I got my master's degree, just she just didn't buy it. So, uh, but he has Bishop Blake has more than forty years of ministry, including thirty years as lead pastor uh, and founder of Greater Faith Community Church in Brownwood, Texas. Uh, he founded Harvest Family Life Ministries, uh, a faith-based ministry to engage, equip, and empower local churches to care for children and child welfare. Uh, many years working other across uh, many churches and denominations and the state agencies in Texas. Uh, he also helped uh, launch the, with the Global Orphan Project, the part called Care Portal, uh, who I serve with, uh, to develop and launch uh, Care Portal in the state of Texas. And Care Portal in Texas just celebrated a milestone of serving 10,000 children through the yeah. local church, an, an incredible uh, milestone. So he, uh, Bishop Blake is really a, a pastor and an ambassador who wants the church to care for orphans. 
So we're so honored to have you on. And so before we kind of get into your story, your background, and what you're uh, really what you're fired up about right now, um, really in, in your ministry, uh, we, we play a little game called Fake News. So fake news is where um, we you share something that's true and something that's not true, and I try to guess which one is true and which one's fake. So, okay, can you think of two things for us? Uh, two things that are, that, are, that are true and two one that's that true, true, one that's not true. Okay. Well, uh, and I try to guess. Okay. Um, in the orphan care world, uh, there are uh, uh, thirty thousand uh, children in Texas. Okay. Is that true or false? Oh, okay. So I would say so. That now that's one thing. Do you have a second thing that? So I would say that's true. Okay, you're right. Okay. <laughs> now, now you try to is it. Maybe can you stump me <laughs> and guess what's maybe something that's fake, or maybe many, many uh, people think that's fake. Well, uh, 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 in the uh, in, in the present day and in, in, in situations uh, that we're in, uh, uh, children of of color and people of color are less likely to um, to uh, encounter uh, COVID. Uh, compared to uh, Anglo children and and family. Oh well, that's probably fake, isn't it? Because it seems there's a, a higher, much higher rate and risk factors. Is that correct? That's correct. That is correct. Wow. So that's a, a sobering reality, isn't it? Well, it is, uh, and, and 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 it's a sobering reality, and pushes us uh, into what we do. In, in area of children that are most at risk, and especially the disproportionate number of children of color that are in the system, uh, that really pushes us in those areas that are that are most at risk. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's important to us. Yes, no, that's an important important factor. So you have a long history in helping children in foster care. So why is this of of, of the many issues of in, for the church and for the world, why is this so important to you personally? Well, you know, my, my encounter uh, happened not because uh, uh, I was a brilliant guy and and had a heart and passion uh, uh, that drove me to it in the beginning. Uh, there was one kid uh, that came into my office as I was a bivocational pastor uh, at Brownwood High School and said to me, um, Brother Blake, will you help me? And that's, he was a 16-year-old kid that pushed my, my heart and my head to a, a place where I said, why is this 16-year-old kid in this situation, mm. and uh, mm. what can I do about it? And so uh, ever since that, that day, I've been bit by the orphan bug. The orphan bug. Yeah. Tell me what that is. Well, it, 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 it's when it's when your heart uh, just literally uh, uh, is opened up and burst with compassion because uh, you've been spurred by by a child. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing how how um, one child uh, in one situation 
and uh, can change your whole life. And my whole life was changed on that one day with that one encounter with Melvin Johnson. Mel with Melvin. So uh, this that was the very beginning. That bite, that orphan bite, so to speak, the orphan bug bite, changed the trajectory of your life, and it, it started in your home, didn't it? Well, yeah, you know, uh, from from um, the encounter with Melvin uh, in my office at the at uh, Brown High School, and I was pastoring by vocationally, uh, and Melvin came came to live with us, and uh, and from there. Uh, he literally, he uh, uh, pushed uh, us, Mary and I, to one child after another until mm. our house was filled up with with six football players, <laughs> uh, all except one over 200 pounds. Oh one was 276 pounds oh. and wore a size 15 shoe, and, and he was only 16 years old. Oh <laughs> Uh, feeding them was like feeding, you know, you know, it was like feeding a whole football team. But I, oh I had goodness. to, we had to buy a cow a day to feed them. Oh my goodness! I bet. <laughs> Twelve. So you had six of your own biological children, and then you adopted uh, six African American, bo- large African American boys <laughs> who were athletes. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, we we had taken my my uh, old my youngest daughter Anna. We had taken her to college the year before, so we had about an eighteen months or so uh, of an empty nest uh, when Melvin when Melvin came. So uh, we had a little bit of, of, of time uh, to to uh, enjoy. Uh, an empty nest without kids, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, the the dams broke and and uh, they came back in and and you, and you know what you know uh, it was God all the way it was one hundred percent God that uh, that had that encounter that changed our hearts mm. and uh, and I just thank God for that moment that 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 Melvin uh, adopted us. Oh yeah, that's, that's what really happened. You could have easily just said, "Hey, I've got a I've got a ministry at church. I've I've raised six kids. I'm done. I can enjoy this period of my life." But that's not the plan God for, had for you. Well, you know, no, it, it, it wasn't. And at the time, you know, I must admit, at the time, uh, we we pondered that. We pondered uh, one, uh, you know. Uh, you know, did we have the energy? Did we have the capacity uh, to to uh, house, to take care of, and to embrace and to and to um, minister to the trauma of six six boys? Mm. You know, we, we 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 didn't we didn't know at the time that God had given us and anointed us with the grace to be able to do that, and. Um, uh, but it, it was it was by God's help that uh, that we were able to uh, have people around us, our church family, uh, our CASA workers, and and all the ther- and all the other people that we we found <clears throat> we learned to meet and know and utilize in in, mm. in a way that uh, made it uh, made it not easy because <laughs> it definitely wasn't easy but made it to where we knew 
that we were we were blessed of God to to have that to happen to us and have mm. us to have our boys. So this was start was not only a personal journey for you because this also affected your career and your ministry. And so there's many ways we could talk about, but I, I'm very interested in the what happened. What we what's now called Stand Sunday. Well, you know, uh, uh, it it um, the, the every time I every time I think about it, even now uh, I get emotional about it uh, because what what Stand Sunday did uh, uh, the week leading into the second Sunday in November, mm-hmm. uh, and this was been this has been uh, 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 this will this coming year will be twenty years ago. Twenty years. Um, and uh, what happened was I had gone to court because one of my boys' uh, rights was being terminated uh, in court. Mm. So I, I went to court that week, never been to children's court, never uh, understood and never knew that there even was a children's court. Didn't know that, that an attorney was there for the family, attorney was there for the kid, attorney was there. Uh, representing the father and the, and one for the mother and Costa was there. The reports went and as far as my son that was right was terminated. Went to the judge. The information got to the judge. The judge looked over it, signed a piece of paper, and within five minutes, right was was terminated. Hmm. And the caseworker stood up and got the information and walked out the door. I followed the caseworker, and I stopped her. I said, wait a minute, tell me what just happened. And she said, rights were terminated. And I said, what does that mean? And she told me that no longer does that parent have any parental authority in the life of, yes. uh, mm. of my son. And, um, and so I was devastated. I said, who's going to come talk to him? What's going to happen? And so from there, from that moment, I knew that I had to go to my church and tell them that we have to do something. So I stood up on Sunday morning and uh, with a sermon ready to preach, not bad, and I said to them that there are 28,000 at that time, 28,000 kids in the system uh, in the in the state of Texas, right. and, I, and I told them that we must stand and do something for these children. Mm. I didn't know that that the up there understanding was to physically stand. One lady named Nedra Wade stood up uh, almost to the back of the sanctuary, and she said, "She said I will." And another one wow. stood up and said, "I will." And another, and that Sunday started Stand Sunday that we celebrate now, and that's being celebrated around the world. Fantastic. And so th- that represents the church standing up to say, we are going to k- take these kids into our homes. Is that correct? You know, it, it, it started with that. But what, what we wanted to do for every family, we wanted to do for every church and every family what my church at that time did for us. There was no way that we could have done it alone. But they wrapped around us with meals. They wrapped around us and gave us a date night. Mm. They wrapped around us and gave us respite. There were many things that even the grandmas and, and right. folks that, 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 that couldn't take kids in did for us. So we wanted to tell pastors, hey, pastor, um, it's not one family that adopts. 
not one family that fosters. It is your church that starts an orphan care ministry. And I would say to pastors, I said, Pastor, do you have do you have greeters? And they would say, Yes, we have greeters. Well, do uh, do you have janitors? Yes, we have janitors. I said, Are any are your greeters and your janitors mandated in Scripture? And they would say, No. And I said, Well, here's what James one and twenty seven says: Pure and undefiled religion is to care for the or the widows and the orphans yes. in their infirmity. And I said, Pastor, everyone in your church is not called to foster or adopt, but everyone is called to care. Yes. And and this is how you can wrap around. This is what our church did, and this is what. And so we begin to train churches on how to develop an orphan care ministry in their church, just like their youth ministry, your children's ministry, their women's ministry, etc. Absolutely. And that's what we wanted to do, as many churches as we could. So that really is the start of an amazing movement of wanting to see the church care for the children. Again, this is part of our mandate, and it's and this is a very inspiring example. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have on our show Bishop Aaron Blake, who's sharing his journey uh, with fostering adoption, but also we want to hear. There's a there's you God's placed you in a role recently, actually for another that's very important to you. Because right now our world is so divided over race, and including in the church. So before we uh, – do you see any connection between the racial disparities in our society and the foster care system? Yes. You know, it's um, – we, we have – we know that <laughs> Mary and I in our lives, God is always like, like, like toothpaste. He's always squeezed us into – into what we do uh, <laughs> by the pressures of of, of, of life and yeah. situation, and so uh, we, we are in the middle of three pandemics right now. Mm. Where uh, and because COVID nineteen is is one worldwide pandemic, the other pandemic that we're in the middle of is 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 social justice and uh, and, and and race. Right, and then then there's an economic pandemic that's around the world. Every one of the those. It, all three of these affect the orphan child, mm. the child that comes from hard places, the child that most, many of our kids that are in foster care come from poverty. Mm-hmm. And then there's a disproportionate number of kids of color that are in the system. Many yes. of our foster kids wind up in foster care that winds up being a pipeline to prison. Mm-hmm. So there has to be an interception. And the interception is when when we, the church, uh, uh, just follows what God has already spoken clearly. And uh, Jesus put it this way, you know, when when they were trying to get the, the children away from Jesus, Jesus said, uh, allow the children to come to me, amen, and don't forbid them. Don't forbid. Uh, mm-hmm. For such is the kingdom. Jesus also said, when he was, when he was talking about... Uh, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, I said, Lord, when did we do those things? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, my little ones, you've mm. done it also uh, unto me. Mm. So when when I look at race, when I look at race, I also have to look at grace. Grace, okay. Because in, in our movement now, we as we talk about uh, race, we have, we, in our ministry, 
we have to follow it up with grace because the mean-spiritedness and divisiveness of race and the misunderstanding of racism Mm -hmm. uh, puts us in a place where we are pitting ourselves against one another. But God only made one race, and that was the human race. Mm-hmm. And and we all came from Adam and Eve, and we're nothing but organized dirt, really. <laughs> organized <laughs> dirt. But yeah, some black dirt, some brown dirt, some white dirt, some, yep. some skinny dirt, some not yeah. so skinny dirt. Yep. But we're nothing but organized dirt. When we die, we're going to go back to the dirt. So yep. while we are standing on our two feet and, and walking, we need to walk in love and love our neighbor just like we love ourselves. That's that's fantastic, and that's such an important message in a, in a when we pick our sides and we throw stones. Um, so, what does the church really need to do differently? So, many churches tell we need to be loving and kind, but what do we really need to be doing differently right now? What do we need to be hearing? Well, I, I believe I believe the church needs needs to first of all uh, understand that when we talk about uh, racial differences and social justice, we need to first of all understand that according to uh, according to uh, uh, the Word of God, that we have been reconciled to to God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if we're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, the second part of being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ is then the move towards being reconciled to one another. Mm-hmm. So in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, that's the motto that I, that I follow. We are reconciled first to God, then we have to be reconciled to our spouse, to our children, to our neighbors, then to our community, mm-hmm. then to government, and then to the orphan. Mm-hmm. But the reco- but the reconciliation means this. It means that if God is working something through us, we need to work it then to others. Mm. And the work it to others really means that we have to be in the place and in the position that we can understand that we are the church called by God to touch the world and change the world. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. We do really we need to claim that. We need to ignore that even every Sunday. So in something that we've been discussing on our show with several several advocates and it's people who have been talking about racism is the idea of systemic racism that that it's not just in my heart that there's ra- that there can be a, a racism and I know I've had to face some of that in my own life. But also that there's things in our social structures that are really affect that are, may have huge implications, both to the African American children in the foster care system, or just across, you know, getting a mortgage or all, the justice system across. So, how does that play into the discussion on how we should be more loving and kind when there's this idea of the, the system is seemingly racially biased? Well, the Several of my of my Anglo brothers of the lot of you uh, uh, have have called me uh, in these last few months, and uh, and, and that's really have blessed me. So uh, they've called and they said things like, "Bishop, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to say it. 
we don't want to say something that we think is right and then offend. Uh, and so we, we we don't want to uh, do anything or say anything that's going to make it worse. How do we, how do we, what do we say? And I said, first of all, uh, you're going to mess up. You're going to say the wrong thing. Right. But, but first, find someone that you love and that loves you that's of a different, of a, a different hue. And if you don't have anybody that that you love and love you that you know, uh, then that's when you really have to start uh, breaking down the walls and begin with relationships. But from the systemic area of things, we have to understand there's a difference between uh, law, laws and policies that are systemic, and they need to be worked on from one area. And then there's another difference between allowing those systemic laws to then dominate how you respond. Yes. Thank you. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for calling in and getting to share your story and your thoughts. And we need to be listening more. We need to open our hearts and to be listening more. And that's one of the reasons this show exists is to hear from people like you. Thank you so much, Bishop Blake, for your time. You've been listening to Counterculture. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.